0: One's worldview impacts every aspect of life. Sometimes we ignore how the worldview found in our children's textbooks impact the development of their worldview. Welcome to the Kingdom Currents podcast. My name is Glenn Schultz, your host, and today I'm excited to have Dr. Brian Smith join me on today's program. Dr. Smith, welcome to the program. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you for having me. Uh, Brian and I, have been, and I have been speaking at a VIP worldview conference at the wonderful uh, Museum of the Bible this week, and this conference is for Christian school educators, board members, pastors on the importance of biblical worldview when it comes to the education of children and youth. And Dr. Smith works for BJU Press, and the department he heads up may be the most important one in the entire organization. So, Brian, tell our audience what your role is at the press and why your uh, department is
1: so important um yeah so i am the director for biblical worldview formation at bgu press and so i lead a team of people who leads all the different teams to ensure that a biblical worldview is woven throughout the instruction of all our materials um it's our job to set vision for biblical worldview generally at the press as a whole but also for every individual you know, product that we're producing, then to provide training for writers and editors and researchers and designers, um, and then to provide accountability to make sure that the products we're producing really are living up uh, to the vision that we set. And and every textbook has to come through your department. Every textbook has to come through. Our department. it's a lot of work.
0: So it's not just uh, trying to find Bible verses to tack on and and, and try to, you know, if you're talking about the anatomy of the fish, you don't look up all the verses in the Bible about fish.
1: (laughs) How useful would that be, right? Yeah. No, um, and this is, we used to call this, you know, back in the 70s in the Christian school movement, we used to call it biblical integration that we wanted to teach in such a way that the Bible was included. But the problem is that just, that's way too low of a bar. Uh, what students need is not a biblical add-on. What they need is a biblical perspective. And that's, that's where the Bible really is powerful for education. So it's, verses are included, but they're not included as uh, garnish on a dish. They're included as a corrective lens for seeing the subject that they're studying. And, and as you travel around the country and you work with Christian
0: school educators all over the place, what are you finding to be true regarding the worldview of most teachers and administrators
1: yeah, so <clears throat> most, boy, that's a, that's a hard question to answer. So all of my experience is anecdotal, you know. I, I don't know if I st- could statistically say where most teachers are in their thinking, but it's really common to have a teacher who knows education really well. She, she knows how students learn, and she knows her subject really well. Um, but she's convinced that the Bible is really important in the religious part of her life, or, or his life. It's really important on Sunday. But it's not really all that significant Monday through Friday in the school setting. It's important uh, when you're having a time of prayer request, maybe a Bible devotional at the beginning of the class period, at the beginning of the school day, but it's, it's not really important in the instruction itself. It's not showing up on the assessments. It's not showing up on tests and quizzes and projects. Um, they're, they're really comfortable with what Francis Schaefer called a two-story view, where God and the Bible belong upstairs, and downstairs we do everything business as usual, education as usual. And in the United States today, education as usual is secularism. You know, thinking about the world from the perspective that God may be real, but he's really irrelevant when it comes to the ordinary parts of life. And, and that sort of leads to this... Misconception that
0: you can have uh, academics being neutral spiritually.
1: Yeah, it's a huge mistake. Nothing's neutral.
0: You know, because uh, you know, and and God, who designed everything, <laughs> He doesn't make something meaningless. Correct. It, it's going to have meaning to it. Uh in one of your presentations, you talk about how every textbook is written based on some worldview. Y- explain your thought behind that and if you have any examples that you could share with the listeners.
1: Oh boy, I've got a truckload of, of examples. Um I just think of world history. So a, a typical world history. Textbook, whether it's elementary school, middle school, or high school, is going to start off by talking about where the human race came from and where civilization came from, and all of that's going to be in a public school textbook, uh, in a secular textbook. That's going to be anchored in uh, an evolutionary prehistory, um, and you know that humans evolved to become human over uh, you know four million years. And then civilization develops uh, about 10,000 years ago. Um, and then within civilization, uh, religion develops as an attempt to explain things that science and technology as yet is not able to explain, like um, like where does morality come from and what happens to us when we die and, and why that should matter. and. When you begin world history with that kind of explanation, you poison kids thinking about religion ever after, that religion is a crutch instead of being the basis of our relationship with God. And you end up suggesting to students that we are most basically tool-making, tool-using, we're most basically technological beings. We are not most basically religious beings, beings made in the image of God. That is something that can poison a kid in all sorts of places in his life. I mean, one of the things that we struggle with in school is our students are the slaves of their own technology. Well here is a worldview, a world history explanation that pushes them over the edge into that. If they're most basically tool-making, tool-using beings, <laughs> instead of being most basically religious beings who interact with the god who made them in their own image, they have philosophical reasons to be the tools of their tools. Um, but, you know, there's, it's all over the place, it's not just world history, it's, it's also in math. If you look at public school textbooks in math, they're all about teaching students uh, real-world problem solving, how to solve real human problems that are often found in uh, society uh, using numbers. But they're not going to give students any kind of ethical training, they're just going to give them the numbers, no ethical training. And the problem is every real human problem has an ethical side to it, and if you use numbers without any ethical skill, you're going to use numbers to hurt people, um, often in selfish ways that leave them at a disadvantage when we should be, through our math, contributing to human flourishing. But you're not going to get students to that point unless woven into the use of the numbers, there is also ethical training that should be anchored in the christian ethic love god with your entire being love your neighbors yourself
0: well you know someone has said that you know if you remove god anything is right <laughs> anything you could reason is ethical and and so uh, you know this whole concept of of neutral academics and what i find interesting being a math and science person myself when people say well math is so hard to integrate that biblical worldview, I said, "Well, that's the language that he put together that orders the universe." Uh, it, you know, so I find just the opposite. Uh, w- one of the things I, I remember reading uh, back in cross-examine back in 2020 when people were coming out of the pandemic. Uh, Natasha Crane wrote an article entitled Eight Things Christian Parents Should Consider uh, Before Sending Kids Back to Public School or Private School this Fall. And she made these statements. She said, in many Christian schools, the Christian part reflects the fact that teachers sign a statement of faith. There's a weekly chapel. teaches, Teachers pray with the kids. And there's a Bible class. But then she said parents should be aware of the curriculum choices a Christian school makes. And and so here is even a, a parent who had her children in Christian school. She says you got to be aware of that. She went on to say, in many cases, they use secular textbooks and expect teachers to compensate in the class by talking about the subject from a Christian perspective. I, I often wondered what's a Christian perspective. Uh, many teachers are simply not equipped with this kind of understanding in order to fully counter what secular curricula teaches. So. So it ends up being a tug of war between the world views of the text and the teachers in most christian schools there's little standardization across the classrooms because teachers come from different places
1: in their own spiritual life that's a powerful statement from a parent i uh you know natasha we're on the same team the real problem with uh secular education um, is, is not that there aren't devotionals at the beginning of the class period, or there isn't a time for prayer requests at the beginning of the school day. The real problem is that the whole project of education is taught from the wrong foundation. And these foundations are philosophical, and most teachers don't have training and in education in, in the big questions of philosophy. They're really good at what they're really good at, but they don't tend to have a whole lot of background in foundational thinking. And what ends up happening is they're just trying to put uh, Bible spiritual blessers on top of a foundation that's corrupt. And uh, that's what Natasha, what's her last name? Crane. Crane. That's what she's putting her finger on. That to have Christian education, you got to have it from the ground up. And that means materials that are on the side of Christianity. And, and you know, we, we
0: it's all of life. We, we again, have that upper story, lower story. Uh, I refer to it as dualism. Yeah. You've got your secular sacred divide and, and it leaves a fragmented life for kids and so therefore they think, well, God is only important when I want him to be important in my life. Right. And, and so if he's irrelevant to math or science, well then he's what else is he irrelevant to? So there's not that holistic training. What are some important things that you would give advice to, say, Christian school board members and administrators regarding this this topic
1: of uh, Christian school textbooks. I would say that um, board members need to understand that, uh, what the school is there for. And a lot of times, not all, but it's, it's not uncommon for a board member to say, I don't want us to use Christian textbooks because then I'm— sh- you know, It might hurt the academic rigor of our school, and then students won't be able to get into the college of their choice, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I can't speak for all Christian publishers, because I don't work in all Christian publishers. I only work at BGU Press, but I am confident that the academic rigor in our textbooks can stand up to anyone's academic rigor. Um, these are academically excellent uh, textbooks, and if you doubt that, well... Then get some exam copies and kick the tires and examine it carefully and critically. I think you'll come to the same conclusion that I have come to. Um, But why do our schools exist? Do they exist to get students into Harvard or Yale or Stanford? Um, Our schools exist as a function of discipleship to prepare students to be faithful followers of Christ wherever God calls them to live and serve in his world. And uh, Christian textbooks, at least BGU Press textbooks, can play a significant role in that. Uh, Glencoe and Pearson and McGraw-Hill are gonna play a significant role fighting against that. And it really (laughs) comes down to, what are you here for? And when you're 90 or 95 years old and you're sitting in your rocking chair thinking about the impact that you've made on the world for Christ, what do you want that impact to be? That we really did a good job of rigorously preparing students to be secularist for the sake of secularism, or we did everything we could to make sure that the next generation was filled as much as possible with faithful Christ followers. You
0: know, in my one of my presentations here at the conference, uh, I shared with them, I've been in this now 55 years and I've seen a shift where at one time Christian school education, it was focused on building godly character. Uh, I heard the phrase over and over again, you know, character before career. Uh, But now it's shifted where someone has said that all education, or I would say schooling, because education is bigger than just schooling. But schooling now is almost totally focused on college and career readiness. And so therefore, that's the primary goal, even in so many Christian schools. Uh, Yeah, we want them to know God and we want them to have a personal relationship, but it's secondary and it should be primary. And so uh, I, I, I agree, if we can get that right, then we can go and say, okay, what's the best resources to use to help us make disciples of Christ? I, I'll give a personal testimony. Uh, three years ago, I went back into the classroom to help our Christian school out because they needed a science teacher. And I found myself teaching biology, chemistry, and physics again. And uh Unbeknownst to me at the time, they had just adopted uh, the BJU Press uh, biology, chemistry, and physics books. So I got to use them. Now, I, I taught in New York chemistry, and I understood the regents program there. It was a tough program. But these books were academically strong, but they had the biblical uh, perspective all the way through it, which helped me. I didn't have to go and invent that. So, you know, and would you give the same advice to Christian school teachers that you would to board members or administrators? Or how do we get them to understand the importance of worldview that's behind their textbooks?
1: Um, you know, ask that question one more
0: time. What do we tell teachers? Because mm-hmm. sometimes teachers, they they teach the way they've been taught and they're going to use the resources that they were taught with. So how do we get them to understand, no, a textbook just isn't about the subject matter?
1: Yeah, so I think every, um, every Christian education leader uh, needs to be deeply invested in professional development. Um, that's one of the reasons that schools have administrators, that they have headmasters. Um, to organize and provide appropriate uh, professional development. And I think a regular feature of professional development needs to be uh, training in biblical worldview shaping and seeing the role that the textbook plays in uh, providing biblical worldview shaping. A textbook is um, a a handy, authoritative source um, of explanations um, relevant to the subject matter and um woven into that needs to be a biblical perspective on on that subject matter and and teachers need training and how to how to use the instruction that's there in alignment with the objectives together with assessments that really are assessing in the context of the learning of that subject um, whether the students are grasping the worldview concepts that are that are woven in Um, And we've got all kinds of uh, tools. It isn't just textbooks. We've got a tool called Teacher Tools Online, which provides uh, videos that can be used in instruction. It also has um, a professional development component with videos for the teachers and the staff members in the school. It's also got a test generation generation software and PowerPoint slides to to help uh, the teacher really succeed in the classroom. And, and I, I will
0: attest again, I used a lot of the teacher tools online. <laughs> well, good. Thank I, you. Because I had not been back in the classroom for almost 30 years in the sciences. I had been teaching Bible and other things at times in Christian schools. So I, I did use those resources. They were handy. Um, you know, how can listeners find out more information on the resources from the press?
1: Well, the easiest thing would be to go to BJUPress.com. That's our website. And um, that website has a whole, um, you know, it has every textbook uh, listed that we produce and there, uh, there's a resources uh, component to it, there's a professional development component to it. Uh, through that website, you can find everything you need to know about us and what we can do to help in Christian education.
0: Well, uh, I want to thank you for being on our program today. Uh, I always enjoy sitting down and discussing worldview issues with you, so
1: thank you for being with us. Thank you, Glenn. You've been a a great encouragement to me, and you have to many others around the country, and um, I'm glad to be a part of this today.
0: I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning into Kingdom Currents. Uh, if you have questions or comments about today's program, uh, you can email me at Glen. That's with one n g l e n at kingdomeducation dot org. And for more information on Kingdom Education, just visit my website kingdomeducationministries.com. dot com. I want to close today's program with a quote from John Stone Streets and. Brett Kunkel's excellent book, A Practical Guide for Culture. In there, they say, every song, movie, tweet, sermon, news story, podcast, banner ad, billboard tells us something about what to believe and how to live. Ideas don't stay in books. They grow legs. They walk off the page and head out into the world. They influence the way we think and live. They shape entire societies and drive the course of human history. So with that in mind, We must make sure that our children and youth are receiving a biblical worldview education Allow me to take a minute and talk about our sponsor frameworks The support of this biblical worldview initiative is what makes the kingdom currents podcast possible Northwest Christian School in Phoenix, Arizona, has partnered with many well-known and established ministries to create relevant online courses taught from a biblical worldview context. Some of these partners include Young Life, Likewise Worship, Summit Ministries, Stand to Reason, and more. This initiative allows all high school students, whether they attend public, private, or home schools, to take elective courses online where they can actually get credit for these courses at their own schools. For more information on this exciting new initiative, Frameworks, go to ncsaz.org. Again, to learn more about Frameworks, go to
1: ncsaz.org.